You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast. Side hustling your way to pay off debt and bouncing back from setbacks on your journey with Jason Butler. T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Launch podcast. Thanks for getting in the rocket. We are taking off. I'm excited to talk to this week's guest, Jason Butler, because he is just giving us the real deal on what it's like being in a thick of the journey paying off debt, having setbacks while on the journey, and then side hustling. How are you going to earn more money to put towards your financial goals? And we're going to talk all about that with Jason Butler today. So just a little bit more about Jason. Jason is a self-proclaimed serial side hustler, and he is also the owner and blogger over at Money Chronicles, where he discusses his personal finance, side hustles, travels, and more. He currently makes between $500 and $800 a month with his eBay business, and he's using other side hustles to pay off debt. He's originally from Atlanta, Georgia, and we have the same love for Miami. <laughs> You're going to hear about it in the episode when we start talking. But yeah, I just really enjoyed this conversation with Jason. So if you want any of the episode show notes, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 95. This is episode 95. I'm also excited because I have great news. The Launch Club doors are going to reopen, not for a couple months. They're going to open up again in July, July 18th to be exact. But I want you, if you missed a chance to enroll in the membership community for journeyers just like yourself, reaching their goals, getting the support and the resources they need, then you should sign up to the waitlist because you'll get notified before anyone else. And I might actually do something a little special for people on that waitlist. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash launch club to be the first to know when launch club doors open. Now, as always, thank you for listening. I love when you guys are sharing how you are feeling about the podcast, what you are doing to reach your goals. I get so much great feedback on like the action steps that you guys are taking. So continue to do that. Continue to share that with me on social media and tag me and let other people know. So I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So you can continue to tag me, continue to let me know what you're feeling about it. And of course, if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts, the purple app on your iPhone, then please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And of course, just subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Now, without further ado, let's get into this wonderful conversation with Jason. Hey, journeyers, really excited to have on Jason Butler from My Money Chronicles on the podcast, who is going to dive deep into side hustling. So that's one thing I know you journeyers love talking about. How do we make more money? So Jason's going to share with us some ways that he's making money on the side and then a bit about his story, his journey to being debt free and getting his money together. So welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thank you, Jamila, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, you're another FinCon peeps. I met you at FinCon this past year or last year, I should say. And I was like, you know, I need to reach out, especially to more like black men <laughs> in my <laughs> podcast because I was like looking back on it. And I'm like, wow, like I haven't had that many. And I know a few 
doing some amazing things. So I was like, I got to reach out to Jason and have him on the show. So I'm, I'm happy that you're here. I'm definitely glad to be here. All right. So you have an interesting story. And one of the reasons why I like your blog and your site is because you really chronicle, as is the name of your blog, your money journey. And you don't have it all figured out yet. You're still in debt. And you really keep it real about when you don't hit your goals, when you don't pay off as much as you like. And I want to talk about that because I think so many people are going through that. Like they're in the thick of it and they're not progressing maybe as fast as they like. And so I love having on people who I know that people can relate to in that sense. So let's first start with where you started. How did you get into caring so much about money and being intentional about paying off your debt? Well, that's crazy. Before I turned 30, my credit, my money was basically in shambles. I turned 30 in 2013. And before that time, I started reading different websites such as Making Sense of Sense and um, Michelle is Money Hungry, different blogs. And I saw them, saw that they were doing side hustles and actually paying off debt and trying to make things happen. So I figured I might as well try to do the same thing myself. So I started my website back in March 2013, actually six years ago, a couple of days ago, under the name The Butler Journal. And during that time, basically created it to, just to document my journey. And it's been an up and down ride, not even going to lie. The first two years of my website, I was nowhere near serious with it. And I definitely struggled. I actually was working a full-time job, quit that job to travel for a little bit and try to entrepreneur thing. That didn't work. And then I rededicated myself to get it serious about my debt-free journey back in 2015. And from there, it's been ups and downs almost every year. <laughs> All right. So now I just have to get deeper into this because I'm so interested in what you just said. When you first started, like when you first kind of woke up and was like, whoa, I need to get a handle on things. How much debt were you in? Whew. At that time, I, it was a little bit over $72,000 worth of debt. And what was that? Break that down. And that debt was basically, at that time, it was a maybe like a thousand left on a car note. 60 something thousand worth of student loans. Let me see a couple thousand of credit card loans. I think one personal loan and one very small medical bill. Okay. And what did you go to school for? Let's see. I went to school at Savannah State University and I got my degree in marketing. Ah, okay. And so when you started working full time, did you get a job in marketing or did you use that degree? Because I always find it interesting. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like people's, people's like their student loan, you know, how much it is in relation to when they like what they thought they'd make when they come out and their career. Yeah. That right. There's a story in itself. I graduated in 2008 and during the time I was happy to graduate, but nobody told me that in 2008, that was going to be the beginning of the next recession. And it took me a year and a half to get a full-time job. When I first graduated, I was still working in basically a retail store inside of a restaurant. And that was my college job. And full-time to them equal 30 hours a week and literally making $10 an hour. So I struggled for that first year and a half. After I got my first full-time job in 2009, I started making a little bit more money. And I was actually working at a at one of the banks down in Savannah, Georgia at that time. and it still was not the amount of money that I thought I was going to be making at the time. So, yeah, for a few years, I went up and down with making more income, but it's still not being enough because over the time of me now working a full time job for a year and a half, my loans had basically like went up. The interest, the interest started kicking in. 
had late fees. The same with my credit cards. So everything, I was in a mess. I just say I was in a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I imagine at that point you didn't know all the stuff you know now. And so you probably weren't as focused to get things together then. Not at all. I wasn't focused and I still was kind of like in denial. Even though I was living check to check, I wasn't acting like I was living check to check. I would still go out on the weekends or still splurge, going to happy hour, going to the club with my friends, buying shots and doing all kind of like ridiculous stuff that I should not have been doing at the time. But I was in my mid 20s and I thought that I was going to have everything in control. But in actuality, I did. And so what was the wake up call? Why did you decide to change? I know you kind of like you mentioned that you started to read blogs, but did something happen that made you wake up? I guess for me, it, it basically was me turning 30. And then I to mention the fact that same year that I turned 30, a couple months later, my grandma passed away. And I think those two, with me turning 30 and my grandma passing away, basically showed me that, oh, crap, I got to get a little bit serious about life. If I want to live life the way that I want to want to live it and not struggle, I have to get serious about my finances. And I wanted to be in a situation that when I do pass, hopefully it's like when I'm like 85, like how she was, I'll be able to have a lot of money and a lot of things to pass down to to my family. So I think those two kind of like go hand in hand with me getting a little bit serious about that. And I ask that because usually there is something, you know, there's some moment for a lot of people. It's like small little moments and it kind of bubbles up. But then there's some definitive moment for a lot of people. So. All right. So you had this awakening. You're like, okay, there's something else that I should be doing. I need to be doing more. But now I'm interested because you said you quit your job and traveled and try to do some entrepreneurship things. And that didn't work. So can you talk a little bit about that part of your journey? Yeah, it was actually a fun part of the journey. When I graduated from college in 2008. As a gift to myself, I basically had a goal set that I was going to travel from coast to coast and I was going to drive from the East Coast to the West Coast because I live in Atlanta, Georgia. And I wanted to drive from the beginning of Interstate 10, which starts in Jacksonville and it ends in Santa Monica, California. And I wanted to do this in 2008. Um, the time wasn't right then. I wasn't mentally ready to do that. Fast forward to 2013 when I was 29, right before I turned 30. I figured what better way to bring my 30s in is to do this cross-country trip. So me and an ex-girlfriend, we both saved $2,500 a piece. Um, I basically put in my two weeks notice, planned the trip. My last day was on a Thursday. I left July 1st of 2013, which was a Sunday. And we drove, we dressed, we basically were gone for two weeks. Um, during those two weeks, it was a great, great, it was a great trip. Um, it showed me so much about myself. Basically that you can live without having a nine to five that if you actually plan things and actually make things happen, you can do what you want to do. And if I had the opportunity to do it again, even though sometimes I think I wouldn't do it, I would because it got me out of my comfort zone so much that I haven't been the same person since then. And the fun part is that when I got back, I still had a little bit of money saved because we didn't use all the, all the money that we saved for the trip. I was actually on the game show out there, so I won some money as well. And when I came back, I didn't immediately go back into like full time work because I was trying to do my entrepreneur thing. I had just started with the website. I was dibbing and dabbing in eBay a little bit, but I ended up finding like a little part time canvassing job working with like one of the councilmen of the city. So I was good from like I got back July 15th. 
And I was doing great until about January of the next year. And when January came, I was still spending the money, but I wasn't making any money from the website because I still was pretty new with blogging. eBay, I was nowhere near as good with eBay as I am now. Like I wasn't even really going to thrift stores back then. So the money started to run out. And in March, I just started to pop up applying for different jobs. Like I have a back, like my, my full-time job now is a financial aid counselor. The job that I quit was a financial aid representative. I basically stated at that time that I never want to work a financial aid job again. So I just started applying for any jobs and I was able to get two part-time jobs. One job was delivering sandwiches at Jimmy John's restaurant. And then the second job was being a ticket event team representative for the Atlanta Braves. And that was that was a humbling time for me because I was 30, basically working a restaurant job. And at the other job, I was eight or nine years older than majority of the people that I was working with. And it was humbling because I had said I didn't want to work in another financial aid job. But after working those two part time jobs, got me a little bit humble, got me focused. I just started applying for financial aid jobs again. And let me see. This was I started working those jobs in April. By November of that same year, I got hired at my current at the current school that I work for now as a financial aid counselor. And I've been there full time ever since. Mm, Okay, And I I love that you took that risk that you did that because it's one of those things where, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And it's one of the where you don't want to regret things that you didn't do. So for you to take that trip and drive cross country, it sounds like you really did enjoy yourself. And then it sounds like also, even though you ended up in a position that you thought you didn't want, like you said, you learned so much about yourself and it forced you to get smarter with your money along the way. Definitely. Definitely. Like it, it sure, it, it definitely did that. And like I tell people all the time, if someone is to ask me, um, should I quit a job and go do something? I'm like, I'm not the person to ask because I may tell you to do it when in actuality you may not need to do it because you may not have a successful or good experience like I did. Like literally mess yourself up and, and get in a lot of debt during that. During this time, because I had saved a little bit of money and won money on a game show, I didn't really get in too much more debt. Mm-hmm. But it was. it seems like when you got back, it was after that you kind of fell into your lifestyle and not, you couldn't keep up probably with the debt you had. Yeah, I can't keep up. I, I definitely can't keep up with the debt that I had. And then um, the student loan interest was kicking my butt too, because I, I started to get those bills after a while and those amounts did start going up. So I did get a little, I did get a little bit more debt because of that. So now you realize, all right, I'm getting serious. You get a full-time job. And what are your next steps to like start attacking this debt? Because I'm going to we're going to get into some strategies on how you're doing that now and then your side hustles. OK, the crazy thing and the, also the amazing thing was that by the time I started back working, my credit score was shot. I was like in the mid to high 500s, like no luck. Once I got that full time job in January of 2015, I called all my creditors that I was behind, um, even the student loans. I let them know that, hey, I need to get current. I'm trying to pay this stuff off and get everything in order. By three months, I had got current on all the student loans and the credit cards. And by eight months, my credit score had went up by 168 points. That was just me actually being an adult about the situation 
picking up the phone, calling them and making plans. Like two or three years before that, I would see Sally Mae call me and pick up the phone and immediately hang up or do something even more dumber than that. But with age, you get a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say what else I was doing. But with <laughs> age, you get a little bit of you get a little bit of wisdom. So shoot, I ain't really had a phone call from Sally Mae since then because like I pay my stuff on time now. Mm. So I'm hearing one of the big things that you did was you you got your head out of the sand and you took responsibility and just called your creditors and said, Hey, this is the this is the deal. Let's work on something. Yeah, it was because maybe I was a little immature in my twenties, just thinking stuff was automatically gonna fix itself. And I know some people do think like that, and I probably did to a point, but I realized that I got myself into the situation. I got to get serious and get a little bit more focused and get myself out of this situation. Okay. And then during that time, you were chronicling this on, at the time, it was called the Butler Journal, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. I was doing a, um, which I still do, a monthly debt update and talk about what works that month, what didn't work, how much I paid on the debt and how much it went down by. Some months are a lot better than others, I'll say that. All right. So let's get into it. So you said when you first started tracking it, you were at maybe 72,000. So where are you now with your student loan debt? Well, not student loan, but just everything. Everything right now. It sucks. I'm I'm a little bit over 65,000. And the reason it sucks is that because last year I was doing great. I had paid off over $12,000 worth of debt. I was finally under 59K and my car went out. And with my car going out, I was in a situation. I had put $400 in the car to try to fix it. And what I thought was a minor brake problem was not a minor brake problem. Like they would have had to take the whole brake system apart. And I wasn't about to put like fifteen dollars to $1,600 in a car, in a 20-year-old vehicle that didn't have airbags. So I had to get a newer car. So I ended up getting a... 2011 Chevy Malibu. Car is nice, excellent, but it cost me $8,000. So instantly put me back at 68000 last year. I'm so glad you're sharing this experience because this is part of the journey, right? So you, you're making strides. You feel like you, you got it going on. You're paying off a lot of debt and then something like this happens. When you look back at it, is there anything you could have done differently about preparing for a situation like this or buying something different? Like, What are your thoughts around the lessons learned from that situation? The crazy thing is, I think I I could have had a little bit more money in my emergency fund. That's one. I used some of that money to try to initially get the other car fixed. And I wasted over $400 trying to fix a car that they did a fix on it and it didn't work at all. So I could have had some more money in the emergency fund. That's one. Two, I could have buckled down like may, even before because I knew I, I knew I needed a new car. I knew I was like on borrowed time with my vehicle anyway. I could have actually started saving money for for like a used car fund because I knew I needed it, but I don't know why I didn't save for it. I just was focused on like trying to pay off those those loans and some of the other debts. But those are two things that I definitely should have did. Mm-hmm. And I hear that a lot. So sometimes you get so super focused on one side of like the equation where you're like, well, you know, I'm I'm seeing this progress. And while I know something may happen, let's just hope it doesn't so I can focus on this and then, you know, things like that. But it sounds like at the end of the day, 
you did it. It's what it is. And you needed a car. So well, as you were talking, I'm like, you know, that's the one thing about like living in Atlanta, where it might be like lower cost of living than like living in New York, but somewhere like New York, depending on where you live, like if you live in Brooklyn or one of the boroughs, you can get away without having a car. So I have a friend that has a very old car and we were talking about it the other day about her just getting rid of it. Cause you know, like you, like she's, she's having to put all this work into it. Mm -hmm. But in her case, like if she gave it up, she doesn't need to get another car, but I'm assuming where you are in Atlanta, you just need a car to get around. Right. Yeah. Like for me, I like to be able to like leave and come and go. Like whenever I want to, like our transit system, it sucks to be honest. It would take me like an hour and a half to get to probably an hour and a half to get to to work mm. because of like, like where I live at, because like the bus system doesn't run like every 10 or 15 minutes. I want to say it runs like every 30 or 45 minutes. And I literally live 15 minutes from my job driving. So I continue to drive just because our, the infrastructure for our, for our transit system is horrible. Mm-hmm. When they created in the 70s, they didn't expect the city to grow this fast and get as crowded as it is now. So it's going to be a while before we get that transit system up and running the correct way. Right, right. So now that, you know, you feel like you had to push back or your goal has been moved a little bit forward in terms of like your debt payoff end date because of the car and some other things. What have you been doing differently What's your mission now? So you're back kind of where your debt just raised a little bit. But what are you doing now to make sure you are going to stay focused and pay it off this time around as you keep moving forward? Yes, a couple of things. Can I actually tell you what I set my debt payment date for? Yeah. When I first started it back in 2015, I had set the date to be October 17, 2018. That was my 35th birthday. And at the time, I thought I was going to be able to make it happen. Well, last year after the car situation and a couple other things happened, like in previous years, I was nowhere near that amount. So basically, I looked at my numbers when I was when I was jotting up that list. And I tell people, honestly, I failed. I paid some stuff off. But at the end of the day, I feel like I failed. And what I'm doing different this time around, I'm actually paying a lot more attention to what I'm doing. Because and what I mean by that is that the first year and a half on my website, I literally tried eight or nine different side hustles and I kept bouncing back, jumping to different ones and not even focusing on what I need to do. Now it's three side hustles that I'm really focused on and they are eBay selling t-shirts and my website. And I'm making a decent amount of money with two out of, well, at least with two out of three of those right now. And the third one should be growing pretty soon. And that should help me pay off the, the debt a lot quicker and actually make some moves with it. Because like, even though last time I set that date for three years, I'm not setting a date this time. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to set the date for 2022 and still have $50,000 to go. But what I did do was set a goal this year to pay off $20,000 worth of debt and I actually started doing that last October after I knew that I wasn't going to reach my other goal. And currently I have a little bit under 17,000 to go, which is all right. But I know for a fact that I need to start applying at least $1,690 each month to this debt. And I got some things that I'm working on that hopefully get me there near closer to like the fourth quarter of the year. Mm -hmm. I love that you're doing what works for you. So while you don't necessarily need to set a 
ultimate end date. I like that you set a goal for this year mm-hmm. and you're working towards it. And so I want to get to some of these side hustles because I really want to dig deep. I know you very you're doing really well at eBay. And so I want to talk about how you're doing the eBay stuff. Like how does one get into that? Because you said how much like do a month you figure you make from that? Let's see. Right now I make between six hundred and eight hundred dollars a month on eBay. And that's doing it strictly part time because I have a full time job and a blog. So Mm-hmm. And that's a profit, right? Yeah. After well, profit would be okay if I make eight hundred dollars in a month. The profit for that would probably be around around between six fifty and six seventy five. So on a six hundred dollar month, I say that that's five hundred dollars worth of profit. Hmm. Okay, so that's good. All right. So how did you get into eBay? I know you said you started earlier. Yeah. And you didn't know what you were doing, but like, how are you doing it now? Are you selling your own things? Are you like going to thrift shops? Yeah, back in the day when I first started, like I've been dipping and dabbing with eBay since 2009. I got semi-serious about it in 2015. I went to a thrift store. I saw a Dwayne Wade jersey, Miami Heat jersey for like $3. Went home, took pictures, put it on eBay, had it and sold it for $45. So that was a $42 profit right there. You can't beat that. So I was hooked. When I first started, I was selling like my stuff too. Old tennis shoes old jerseys, old sports things. And now I go to thrift stores and yard sales. Like some of my main items like that I sell are sports related art are sports related items because like I love sports, basketball, football, baseball, different things like that. So it's jerseys, bobbleheads, uh, sporting equipment. I always going to sell tennis shoes because tennis shoes will always sell. Like I used to just sell like basketball shoes, but now I sell running shoes, um, weightlifting shoes, golfing shoes, just different types of stuff like that. And it's it's been going great for me. So I'm curious, right? So because when I think about selling on eBay, I immediately think of, okay, now I have to find the thing, I have to list it, and then I have to like send it out, which seems like a lot of work. I know probably once you get into the hang of it, that it's not as much as I'm probably making it out seem in my head. But what's the time that you have to put forth to, to do this stuff? I probably do somewhere between seven to nine hours per week with it. And on the weekends, I probably get up and head out the house around like 11 o'clock and come back in around three and go to the thrift stores. Like you say, I find the items. I know what I'm looking for when it comes to the majority of the items. But if it's something that I see that may be catchy, I just pull out my phone and go to the eBay app, type the item in or scan it and see what the recent item have sold for if it's sold for a decent price, I'll grab it and try to sell it. Get back home. It probably takes me about maybe 30 to 40 minutes to take the pictures. Taking pictures are probably like the easiest thing to do because take about five or six shots of each item. And literally that maybe takes about 30 to 40 minutes, depending on how many items I have. The fun part is listing it, listing the items, because that could take a couple hours, depending on how many things I get from the thrift store and how detailed I want to get with it. It's not too stressful at all. And then not to mention the fact for me, I have a post office that's on campus. So when I sell something, it takes me five or 10 minutes to box it up. And then when I just, I just take the package to work with me and go to the post office during my lunch break. Mm-hmm. And what I like about this is this is something most people can do. Yes. Right. Like this is a side hustle that is available to anyone if they have the time and want to be creative because I love 
just the fact that you can go to thrift stores. Some people actually enjoy like going to thrift stores and just shopping around. And like you said, like, I think it would be pretty cool if you're like at the thrift store to see, just search, okay, what has this item sold for? So you kind of know before you buy it, what your profit margin can be. Yep. Yeah. It's fun for me. Like when I first started, I didn't know how long I was going to do it, but if I'm in Atlanta, I go to thrift stores every, every Saturday. And now I go on Fridays too sometimes because I have a couple in my in my neighborhood. So I usually stop by those doors once, once I get off work on Fridays. And like I say, anybody can do it. I would suggest that you start with items that you know. So like for, for example, if you know purses or if you know jewelry, start with those type of items. I don't know anything about those items, so I don't sell that type of stuff. But <laughs> if, if, if somebody, if you know those stuff, those items, purchase them and try to flip them because it's money out. It's so much money out there. Mm-hmm. You just got, you just have to work though. You, you definitely have to work with it. And I like that, you know, you can take something that you're probably spending your money on now, or you have maybe not a quote unquote addiction. You know, I'm using that word lightly, but just, you know, there's some people who love bags, love shoes, love sports uh, stuff, love sneakers. And if that's your thing, fine, but you can like transition it in a way where, you know, instead of buying it for yourself and going into debt or not being able to reach your goals, you could do it with the goal of flipping it, right? And so I think that sounds kind of fun and cool for someone who's like, I love purses, but I kind of addicted to like looking at them. Then it's like, all right, well, how about you make a game out of it where you are now searching to flip purses? Like that seems like it would be like a really good avenue to like switch someone's focus. Exactly. Like I look at it as a scavenger hunt from time to time because depending on what thrift store you go to, you can find some old Jordans for like four ninety nine or six ninety nine. You can see them selling online for like $69 or $79. And people will buy them for that price. And you literally can make $60 to $70 profit in less than 24 hours by listing, by doing this, by finding those items listing and listing them online. So yes, you could test it out and do like one or two. And I guess for some people, it's like, oh, you know, $40 is not that much. But if you get into the swing of it and you're doing multiple sales like this, it's going to add up. It'll add up quick. Mm-hmm. Like there was a point in November where like I had a week where my set where my sales were like my average sale was sixty dollars. So you, you can't really beat that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure whatever you bought was way less than that, right? So your profit margin. Yeah, between five or ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when it comes to now, I'm assuming that you're focused on using that money to pay down your debt. Yes. Right. So any extra money you're bringing in is going towards the debt. Right. And one of the things so I was reading, like through some of your blog posts and where you talked about how you're going to keep yourself accountable to reaching your goals. And one of them, it was funny. I was laughing when I was reading it because you said not going to Miami to South Beach. <laughs> and yes. and I was like, you know, I love going to Miami also in South Beach. And when I was <laughs> younger without the kids, we would go for Memorial Day weekend. Now life is a bit different. Yes, because it's crazy. Memorial Day weekend. So can you talk about, it seems like you were still doing those things, like you were still taking trips and kind of like you said, going out at one point, even though you were paying off debt. And now it seems like you're so focused that you said to yourself, you're not going to do those kind of things until you're out of debt. Are you still focused in that way or how are you feeling about it? Like, it's crazy. I've always been doing the debt snowball. I've kind of tweaked it a little bit and I wanted to get myself refocused on it. So I read the book. I'm actually reading the book again now this year. But the one thing that I'm not going to give up and it sucks, but well, it doesn't suck, but I'm not giving up travel. I may not travel as much 
but I'm, I'm not going to give up travel because to me, travel, travel is like my anti-drug. It's something that I love to do. It's one of the few things that actually makes me happy. Like I love going someplace different, but also rereading um, the Total Money Makeover, you got to have some kind of gazelle intensity and you have to like, you got to have some kind of super discipline. So that's why I put Miami on the list. Like I love Miami. I've been to Miami 12 times. It's my favorite city in the country to party and go to, but I cannot go to Miami until I pay off this 20,000, at least this 20,000 this year. So I got to get to work. Like my girl, know I love Miami. My friends know I love Miami. Like I'm addicted to Miami. Like it's something <laughs> about that city. Like you, like you, you said you've been Memorial Day weekend, so you know how you know how how live it is. Mm-hmm. Like I love that city. Literally, the whole year it's between seventy and eighty degrees. It's like perfect. Mm-hmm. But I have to have the discipline, and I have to like chill. I put it out there. I can't, I can't go to Miami until I pay this off. So right. Hopefully this is going to be part of the thing to light the fire to help me make it happen quicker. Right. And it's so important because so many people have goals, whatever it is, whether it's paying off debt, you know, investing a certain amount, saving for a house. And it's like competing possibly with some of the instant gratification stuff like you love. So whether it's traveling or going out to eat, like things that you really do enjoy. And if you think about like if there's something that you do really like doing like it's you know discretionary but it's something that you really value if you do put it on the back end of a goal meaning all right i'm not going to do that until this gets done like you said that gazelle intensity kicks in if you stay focused and you're like all right that means i gotta hustle hard to reach this goal because i want that payoff so much as long as that payoff also doesn't put you back into debt right like you got to be smart about it but i like that um you're doing that and i also like that you're making it known like public right so now i can hold you accountable if i see some pictures about oh like what is jason doing in miami let me check if he paid (laughs) off (laughs) his debt (laughs) so okay one of your side hustles and i like the ebay stuff so i think that hopefully can help journeyers if they're thinking about oh let me try something out right the whole point of this is for you guys to try things out right like everyone has you know their toolbox on this journey and so the point is to like pick up tools that you might not have picked up before or try things, try tools that you have not tried before. And so this could be one of them. eBay, um, I know you said you sell t-shirts. What's that about? Yeah, I've been selling t-shirts for years now. I think, well, yeah, about 10 years as well. When I was in Savannah, I used to work at the Paula Deen store. Pretty much everybody knows who Paula Deen is. But if not, she's on the world famous chef that owns the restaurant, The Lady and Sons. That was like my college job right there. I worked in her restaurant and also her store. And inside her store, she used to have all kind of crazy T-shirts and stuff. And people used to just come in the, come in the store, buy all the shirts. Like, they used to have goofy sands on there, like biscuits, grits, girls raised in the South, stuff like that. And I'm just like, how is this little old lady selling these T-shirts? And I figured one day, I figured if she can do it, I can do it. So I created my first design for St. Patrick's Day 2009, actually. And it basically was like a shirt that kind of like was similar to the idea of the I love New York shirt. But instead of um, a heart, I had put I Shamrock Savannah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally that first year, I tripled the money that I put in the shirts and I did great. Like I made over I made almost five hundred dollars with those shirts that, that got me hooked with it. And let's just say the next two years, I didn't do as good with the shirts. Um couple things happened. I don't want to get into details, 
But I broke I broke even each year. I'll just say that. So are you selling these shirts online or in person? At the time, this was um in person. Like um I would go to a shop. Um, one of my frat brothers had a shop in Savannah and just pay him to print the shirts out for me, gave me a decent price. And then we would just literally be on the streets or be on this was be on Facebook, like put messages as your status. Hey, I'm gonna be on this street or I will be on campus if you want some shirts. Come holler at me. And I did that for the St. Patrick's Day. And even though like the two year the, the two years afterwards I didn't make as much money, I still like the t shirt game. So fast forward a couple years, I still start I started to do different designs because the reason I did St. Patrick's Day was because St. Patrick's Day in Savannah is a huge holiday. Savannah has one of the top five St. Patrick's Day celebrations in the country. And literally it's between four hundred to six hundred thousand people that come down there for that weekend. So I did the St. Patrick's Day t-shirt. After that, I wanted to try something else. So I created a, let's see, what was that shirt? I created a Georgia Peach shirt and also a Decatur shirt. This is where like, you start to learn stuff. I posted those shirts online. Everybody was like, yeah, man, we love the shirts. We love the shirts. So me not knowing any better, I printed out probably about 15 of each shirts. And guess how many I sold? <laughs> One. Zip zero nada. <laughs> wow. Where are all the people that said they wanted it? <laughs> exactly. They were nowhere to be found. And up until last year, I still had some of those shirts in my closet before I donated them. And that happened those two times. And then it happened the third time with another T-shirt design. And I was like, I'm not going to be doing T-shirts like this anymore. So this was probably around by now it was 2015. I heard of this. I, I found out about this website called Teespring. Pretty much Teespring is a print on demand website where you create a design, you upload it to the website and you get a percentage of every shirt that sells. I was hooked with Teespring. And the reason why is because I lost money several times by printing out T-shirts and not selling them. So with Teespring, I didn't have to put any money down or anything. And if it's so like, for example, if a shirt sells for like $19.99 on Teespring, I get like $6 from the shirt. That's fine with me because I'm not losing any money anymore. Like, I don't have to worry about printing it out. I don't have to worry about meeting up with anybody or trying to ship it. Teespring takes care of Teespring takes care of all that. Yeah, you don't have the transaction risk there and all that. Yeah. So I've so ever since then, I've been doing T-shirts with Teespring. Last year, I was finally approved by merch by Amazon, which is their print, their t-shirt print on the man website. And it's a couple other sites that I've also signed up with. And I will say that I slipped last year because I was so focused on eBay. I didn't sell that many t-shirts. Like I sold zero on Amazon and I was complaining and trying to get on there for like a year. And I finally, when I finally got on there, I was, I got on there and I did nothing. So since the eBay is doing pretty good, I'm focused on at least generating a certain amount of income from the t-shirts. Now I went from having two t-shirts on Amazon to currently having nine. And right now I'm playing around with keywords, working on descriptions and titles as well, because Amazon is literally one of, it has top five, I think traffic in the United States. So I'm trying to get that traffic to come to like my page on Amazon and buy some of my shirts because that could be great passive income. Mm -hmm. And 
just got to get the SEO right for that. And it sounds like, again, you don't have to put anything up. It directly ships from Amazon. So it's really just about making whatever the people making it discoverable and making it designs that people. So I love that. That's like a additional like side hustle people can look into. Would you say that that takes a lot of time to do and to design or what would you say like upfront costs are for that? Um, for me, uh, I would say the upfront costs are, I would say you probably need about maybe $50. And the reason I say $50 is because I outsource the designs. Um, I have a designer on Fiverr and I just pay them to do designs for me. Like I have a guy right now, he does three designs for seven bucks. And it, depending on how many you want, you can, depending on how many designs you want, you just have to pay a little bit more. So that's why I say you sit around, set aside $50 and you can get that. You can get this side hustle going ASAP. And the designs are great. Like, and there are, I would probably say a hundred designers online. Some are cheaper than seven. Well, no, none are cheaper than $7. $7 is like the starter limit. But if you want to get somebody who knows what they're doing real good, you can easily pay 20 or $30 for a few designs as well. So I, I do that because like, I don't, I don't have time. First off, I'm not good with Photoshop anyway. Second, I'm not really trying to learn it right now because like I have to like, since I have a full-time job doing eBay and the website, I don't really have time to, be learning Photoshop and trying to create my own designs. I just give him sketches where I just either send sketches online or give him ideas and tell him what I want. And the rest is history. Yeah, I like this as a concept for people to explore more of because, you know, you're paying a little bit money up front, but you have this design that you can reuse over and over and add to your store. And it's not something you have to pay each time. So exactly. these are good like ideas for side hustles. So journeyers get on it, start like researching, like there's money to be made out there. You just have to just try it one and be creative also. And then something else too, with both of my side hustles, which I didn't discuss earlier, but you can cross post. What I mean by cross posting is that I will start off with, with the t-shirts with cross posting. Like with that, I can post the shirt design on Amazon on Teespring and Redbubble. So that gives me three different options to possibly get a sale from that t-shirt. And going back to eBay, when it comes to cross-posting, I can cross-post items on different websites such as Facebook Marketplace, Mercari, LetGo, OfferUp. So that right there, that's five different different avenues where your item could possibly sell. So for me, cross-posting is huge with both side hustles too. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. So it's like just making it more successful, more chances to make your sale or that side hustle successful. All right, Jason. So this was really like insightful, a lot of great tips and I hope we got some wheels turning for some people listening, what they can do to make some extra money. So we already know that your goal is to pay off $20,000 in total by the end of the year. So I'm going to be rooting for you on that. I'll be following your journey. Where can people follow your journey and root for you also to get this debt paid off? You can follow me on Instagram. I have two Instagrams. The first one is my money chronicles. That's the one that's a hundred percent business. I discuss everything I talked about today, t-shirts, eBay, blog stuff. Then I have my other Instagram account, which is um jbutler.7, I think. <laughs> and that one here, yeah, that one is um it's a little, it's both. Um, it's 50% business and then 50% fun. So you'll see me at the games or at concerts or listening to music from time to time on that one. You can follow me on Facebook. My Money Chronicles 1 is the Facebook page. I'm on Pinterest at My Money Chronicles. 
and on Twitter at money underscore chronicle. And that's, that's, that's where I'm at. All right. And I will link all that in the show notes. People can check you out and learn more about you. But thanks, Jason, so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey. No problem. Shoot, I appreciate you for having me. All right, journeyers, really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jason Butler of My Money Chronicles. If you want any of the episode show notes, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 95. And show notes mean, because I had someone ask me this, like, exactly what do you mean when you say show notes? So wherever you're listening to this, right, if you wanted to see the all the links that we mentioned or get the links to Jason's site or something else, you can type in journeytolaunch.com slash episode 95 in your browser, so on your phone or on your laptop or Kindle or wherever you get internet access, and you'll be able to pull up my website with the specific episode show notes. So that's what I mean when I say episode show notes. Now, as always, please continue to share this with your family and friends. Let's get the word out there. Let's get other journeyers involved on this journey so we can launch the financial freedom together. As I mentioned, Launch Club is opening again in July. So make sure you get on the wait list, journeytolaunch.com slash launch club. There's going to be a lot of special things for people on that list in particular. All right, journeyers, until next week, keep on journeying. Mm-hmm.